What's up? This is Poppin' After 30 Podcast. What up, what up? It's your girl, Key. What's up? We are here giving you another topic. Um, Poppin' After 30, you know, we always have a bomb topic that anybody 30 and over can relate to. So, Key, what are we talking about today? You know, today, because we're quarantining and a lot of people are in their thoughts and their feelings, I thought, we thought that it would be a really good time to talk about mental health. And I think that there is a stigma amongst black people around seeking out therapy or just taking care of your mental health in general. So what do you think? I mean, I think that this is a dope discussion because, I mean, it's just not a thing that we do in a black community. You go to church, you pray it off, you whatever the case may be, but nobody really fixes the problem. We just blaze over it. And we've seen a lot of that in my childhood. I'm pretty sure in other people's childhood that I mean we do not talk about our issues everything stays in house we don't care um, uh, what happened it never leaves this house we never leave, lose these lives we always have to, to keep it covered so I think this is going to be a dope discussion yes before we get into that though you know we always got to start out checking in talking about life what's, what's happening so um, if you do not have a drink in hand please go get your drink because we clink, are Toasting and sipping and talking about mental health. But before we get into that, La, how you doing, girl? Girl, I've just been practicing a lot of self-care. You know, I'm always about the self-care during this quarantine because being locked in a house, you know, everybody just feels so stagnant. So you have to take care of yourself. Focus on yourself. You know, do a little skin treatment, hair treatment. You know, do take care of yourself during this time. And that's what I've been focused on. Drink a lot of water. Yes, ma'am. What's up with you, boo-boo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm doing the same thing that I'm always doing. Yes, ma'am. Working on working on working. Um, And then other than working, really just kind of like you said, trying to take care of me. I used to love the gym a whole lot. And now I'm just like, mm, I got this uh, quarantine 15 on me. So right. now a part of taking care of my health and so talking about mental health, that is like my release, like running and working out, weightlifting. So I've been trying to find ways to get back into the gym and really fall in love with working out. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so we have a very, very, very special guest joining us today. Um, she is coming from Long Beach, California. Woo woo. Representing the West Coast. And she is my Sarah. Sarah. Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Yes, ma'am. Um, introducing my boo boo, Galia Richmond. Come on in, boo boo. Hey, girl. Hey, hey, ladies. Hey, Popping After 30 listeners, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here today. I'm excited to talk about mental health for, you know, various reasons. I am a psychiatric social worker. I work um, for Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health, and I work on the emergency response team. So mental health is what I eat, live, breathe. It's something that I'm very passionate about, and we're just going to have a discussion today about mental health and what that looks like, especially at a time like this, right? Nobody ever thought that this would be 2020. Right, right, right. Definitely right about that. So, Galia, kind of how we want to flow this is we have a lot of burning questions. So, what we try to do at Poppin' After 30 is we come up with all these questions and, you know, topics, and we try to give the listeners maybe, like, questions that they themselves have but don't really know how to um, research or get answers to these questions. Is that cool with you tonight? That's 
That's fine. Let's go. All right. Um, La, you want to start it off? Tell us about your experience with mental health, if any at all. Um, my experience with mental health, um, like I said earlier, just suppressing your emotions, your child, you're to be um, seen and not heard. I mean, just really, you know, I had a black mama, so... Um, you know, it, 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 I love, I love my mom dearly. I'm not criticizing, but you know, I came out real well, but you know, it was some time where I feel like I needed a voice and I never had one. So just even growing up, I always had a problem with speaking. I would stutter over my words and, um, I would be afraid to speak up. Even if I knew the answer in class, I wouldn't say anything. So I was extremely shy. Um, and it wasn't until I got into different social circles where I was like, okay, you know, I can come out of my shell. I start meeting people and talking to people and I start practicing. Um, and I realized that, hey, there's more to life than what I've seen growing up. I don't have to be just seen. I can yeah. be heard also. Yeah. So I started having something to say. But I think a lot of that psychological aspect, it had led me to a few years ago seeking therapy for myself just to deal with a lot of traumas that I had in my past and heal from and move on from and you know just be able to accept your past I think that's a, a very big one to be able to forgive yourself so yeah I've had a lot of, an experience I think um, all black millennials should mm-hmm. take care of their mental health what about you Key? well you know what's crazy for me you know how they always say check on your strong friend yeah I feel like yeah. I have always been the strong friend so you know I've had a lot of trauma in my life I've experienced anything attributed to like a mental breakdown um my parents died when I was really young like a, just a lot of trauma but I never sought help for it because in my family again it's like no 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 she'll get over it she'll be fine right oh she's an athlete she's busy she'll be fine you know what I'm saying so really I did not experience um seeking out mental health therapy or just help in general until last year when I experienced another really big death in my family and from that I developed I guess like anxiety from it and for the longest time I didn't know what it was I didn't know why I was always anxious I didn't know why I was like having these panic attacks and things like that and then that like near death I'm in the hospital like on the bed and they're like you had a panic attack like right. why did you have a panic attack that's the questions that you need to try to answer right and that's what led me to seeking out mental health right 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 mm-hmm. Gay Leah can you tell us like more about what you've experienced with the stigma of um, mental health in the black community and some different ways that we can rise above that stigma and really pursue and take our mental health serious. Well, you both just mentioned a lot of different things that lead to the prevention of accessing services, right? You you mentioned stereotypes of growing up in a black home and you're to be seen and not heard. So that right there is teaching you how to suppress emotions and feelings. And when you're not able to express your emotions and feelings, from a young child, it doesn't just, I'm a teenager or I'm an adult and now I know how to do it, right? It takes practice. And so suppressing emotions, not being able to be heard, keeping business inside of, you know, we don't talk our business outside of the home. All of those things are stereotypes and stigmas that prevent people from accessing uh, mental health services. And, you know, Kiosha had mentioned, you know, having a loss of parents, you know, and then significant losses and everybody thinking, oh, you know, their kids, kids are resilient. 
that's very, very true. But how do you have a huge loss and not even talk about it, not even seek treatment? But that goes to, once again, we keep our problems, we internalize them. And we're not internalizing these problems to keep them, you know, to problem solve. It's like, well, you know, it happened, we move on, we don't talk about it. And after a while, all of that leads to a place of not access, accessing services, having those stigmas saying, you know, what are people going to think when I go talk to someone else? What is my family going to think? You know, this is not what we do. This is not the norm. And I think people have a negative connotation of what therapy is. They think that, you know, therapy is for crazy people. Therapy is for people who, you know, who are having issues. But, you know, anxiety is something that is so common in so many people. So many people have anxiety, right? And anxiety looks like different things for different people. For example, anxiety can be procrastination. Right. If you're a procrastinator, you're thinking, oh, I just procrastinate. No, that's your internal alarm telling you, Ooh, I don't know what to do. Ooh, should I start today? No, maybe I should start tomorrow. Maybe I should start next week. Mm. It comes across as procrastination, but that is anxiety. Yeah. Or those those racing negative thoughts. Everything is negative. Nothing can ever go your way. You've already counted yourself out and you haven't even started in the race. Mm. Those are anxiety and those come across as different things. So I can accept myself as being a procrastinator, but I can't accept myself having anxiety. Right. Okay. And and you said you said a real valid thing um, that I can personally relate to like when I told my mother I'm seeking therapy her first her first reaction was what's wrong with you like why right. what, what happened is something something happened what happened I'm like no I just need a mental checkup because I've endured so much I can't even believe I'm standing up walking around right now like <laughs> because it's been so much like I can't believe I'm I'm up here functioning you know what I'm saying yeah. as an adult in everyday life and having these issues so yeah yeah it's that 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 is a, a real awakening so um um, Leah, how do you think um, mental health affects Black people in the workplace? Um, what what are some some heavy burdens that the Black community has to to pretend and go through in the workplace? So as black people, especially as we see now in America with all that, you know, the rest of the country has been faced with, but we've been living for years, you know, as black people, you feel like that pressure to perform, to be the best, to not be seen as lazy, to not be seen as incompetent. And when you have to work harder than everyone else, you're overcompensating. And overcompensating, you may find yourself in competition with yourself. You may have a hard time with failures or setbacks or not meeting your goals and being really hard on yourself and being really self-critical which can lead to things like anxiety, depression, you know, just to name a few. So in the workplace, you're dealing with a lot of things because, you know, especially if you are a black female, like we all are on this, you know, this podcast, being a black female and being in, you know, being black and a female, you've got two that, you know, that's the term intersectionality. You already have two marker indicators that's going to guide your path and you got to work even harder because you're black and a female. Right. So you have to look the part. You have to speak the part. You have to produce your work in the part. You can't Coming, you can't have an off day. An off day is right. not. A, you can't have that for you. An off and day is just get, like you can't get loud. That's because yeah, then that's you angry black women. Right. Mm-hmm. So with that, you know, a lot of times you have to code switch, right? You have to be one way at work, one way with your friends, and you're constantly juggling two realities. And how do you juggle the two realities without them pouring over into things? And people think that, oh, because I have issues growing up, it's not going to come out at work. When you have issues and you have mental health, you know, mental health going on, it carries over in every other area of your life. It carries out at work. It carries out in romantic relationships, friendships, how 
how you relate to your family. So a lot of people think that I can just compartmentalize my issue into this, this just one area and just keep it up here and it's not going to affect anything else. And that is the total opposite. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So Galia, my question in regards to this is what are some ways that you can cope with, you know, this mental health or trying to, I guess, hold switch in the workplace, especially as black females? Like what are some things we can do for ourselves uh, when we feel like this happening to us? Um, I would say look at yourself and look at and just have a real conversation with yourself. And you want to ask things like, am I doing a good job? If I look at my peers and people that I work with, where do I see myself aligning with them? Like, do I come to work every day? Do I do what I need to do? And trying to take a little bit of that pressure off, um, reaching out to others who, you know, that you can get good feedback from. And I'm, you know, I'm always telling people, seek professional help, right? Because it's, it's one thing to go to a friend and get advice and get that support, but it's another thing like that. You can reach out to a mental health professional and just say, you know what, this is what's going on and to get help and seek an advice that way. And a lot of times, you know, employers have employee assistance programs where you can get so many sessions for free right. or you can go through your health insurance. And now, you know, being in COVID-19, telehealth is really big. So you may be able to do, you know, a, a session during your lunch break. So where you don't even have to leave the office or leave home, you know, you can get the help that you need and talk to a professional right in your home. Right. And I think another big thing amongst the black community is that how we view emotion and just as someone who is being emotional, they're seen as weak mm-hmm. or yeah. I, like you're not allowed to feel. And there's so many people who are having emotions and they're not even able to identify. I'm angry. Why am I angry? You know, like really just talk yeah. through it because they, if they're not allowed to feel. So when they do feel something, it's projected in a different and a, in a wrong way. So how do you cope with that? Like, how do you become more emotional and in tune yeah. with yourself? How do you tap into that and yeah. know what it is? I think first we have to acknowledge that the suppression of our emotions directly correlates to um, being enslaved in this country and having to endure and watch slave masters beat people, mistreat them. You know, for example, you know, you have a slave owner who is literally raping his slave, you know, one of his slaves, and her husband has to watch and can't say anything, can't do anything, can't display any emotion. And then you come into 2020 where we've seen, you know, police brutality with George Floyd. And here we are as black people, we've been sounding an alarm saying, hey, this is traumatic. Hey, this is painful. Hey, this is unjust. Mm -hmm. Only to be unheard. And now since the world has suddenly awoken, now people are like, wow, that's really what you've been going through. So you haven't been over here just saying, oh, this is really tough and being extra. Like, no, this is really real. Um, I, I always, when I, when it comes to emotions and feelings, you have to get down to what the root what the root cause is or the root feeling is. So like, for example, if you're angry, the root of angry is scared. And people are like, what do you mean? Like, no, you know, you see a lot of people when they get into confrontations, they get loud, they get boisterous. And that's the way of keeping people back. If I'm loud, if I keep barking, that person won't, you know, address me, they'll let it go. So the root of anger is fear, right? So a lot of my clients, I use the feelings wheel and you can Google the feelings wheel and look at that. But I have a lot of my clients watch the Disney movie Inside Out. That is a perfect depiction of what happens when you get angry, when you get sad, when you get frustrated. And 
You have to be in tune with your emotions and have a real conversation and say, what am I, if I'm in an argument, why am I arguing? Why am I going off? Why am I this boisterous? What am I afraid of? And it's just having that real conversation. And also too, you know, as a therapist and as a mom, I'm teaching my son at a a very young age. What's going on? What are you feeling? He knows. He'll tell me, mommy, I'm upset. Mommy, I'm sad. And people are like, wow. And I'm like, because you have these emotions are not just, you don't, you don't, you don't want to start teaching if it's teaching this by eighth grade. This is something child, children have emotion. We know when we can look at somebody and tell if they're sad. So kids have to get in the, the, the repetition of expressing how they feel so that they can communicate better. Because if I know that you're sad, then I'm going to do something that's going to help you not be sad anymore as your mom. So I think teaching kids emotions is very important. And I'm trying to undo what's been done to us for so long. Yeah, I think you had a really good point at the beginning when we talked about like slavery and things like that when you think about how strong they had to be and remember it was if you show any sign of emotion you were weak you didn't want your slave master to see you weak and I think that carried on for generations and generations and now now and today we're talking about the emotions and it's so hard for people to tap into that because it's literally ingrained in our DNA a to not show a sign of weakness so that's a very good point that you made yeah you see it in households growing up especially for our little boys who are not allowed to be boys they have to be men at a very very young age because uh-huh. it's seen you can't you're not allowed to have feelings you're not allowed to have emotions that's little girl stuff so yeah. i mean it's really important for uh, just like you say you're doing with your son just to teach them to have a voice and to speak out and to express themselves. Hey, I'm not feeling good. Hey, I had a bad day. Hey, I'm sad. And this is just making me sad. Um, Because in the long run, when they become adults, you don't want them to become angry adults, beating on their wives because they don't know how to express themselves. Right. So it's very important. And then trust me, I've been criticized. Like, oh my gosh, and he's only four. And, you know, people have told, oh, you crying, stop crying. You better toughen up. And I'm like, see, that's the problem right there. Right. Why does crying have to be seen as a sign of weakness? How about crying is a sign of release, a, resign, a sign of new beginnings, a sign of being renewed and refreshed? So we can't look at crying, especially for boys, as being weakness. And then you get into the gender roles, you know. Oh, if you're crying, that means you're going to be a punk. You know, you might be gay. We, we can't do it. We, we got to do a whole nother show on being gay. LGBTQIS in the black community because that right there, you know, people will people will out you and talk about you for being gay, but then the molester in the family, nobody ever lets that secret out. So that's a whole other show right now. Girl, you getting into it, honey? That's a whole other subject. We have to tear down the wall because the only way you're going to be able to heal is if you address the issue. And a lot of times in therapy, you know, it takes a while to build that rapport and build a good relationship with your. Therapist, and a lot of times when you get to the problem, people are like, Oh, wait, this is too much, and they give up. But when you figure out what the problem is, as you continue to push through, it will only get better. Mm, that's a good point. Thank you for that. So, just a quick question How can I look at my friend and see that she's going through something? Like, what are some indicators that I could see to help a friend that may be depressed or having some kind of mental issues? What can I do as her sister to be like, Hey, you know, are you really are you okay? okay? Like yeah. for real, for real. 
I would say you can't really look for signs and symptoms of mental illness because a lot of people are good at masking the issue. You have people who are, you know, very talented, very high functioning. You know, we see celebrities all the time. Robin Williams committed suicide. Kate Spade committed suicide. So you can't go about looking for what are the symptoms of mental illness. It's really about how do I be supportive to my friends, to my family? How do I reach out and check in on people and really get a sense of how they are? I think it's all about the relationship you have with that person, asking questions, right. being, a, being aware of what's going on in their life. You know, if they're having issues at work, hey, you know, you're going to have an issues at work, let's talk about it. You know, okay, you know, you had a family member who just died. Instead of just saying, oh, I give my condolences, because we're good to do that on Facebook, right? We got right. the little care icon right. now. We got the little teary-eyed, and we can just click a button and right. then keep moving. But it's like, hey, you know, I understand you're going through loss. I'm here for you. What kind of support do you need? It's important to ask that person what kind of support do they need because in our heads we can always think like dang if i found if my family member died this is what i would want but everybody is different asking them how how can i support you right now if that means coming over helping you make funeral plans if that means coming over making a meal for you if that means helping walk your dog if that means helping you do your laundry because we can't just think that you know it can't it can be tangible things it could be hey let me give you 25 dollars ask that person what they need you know some people some people will tell you like you know what I'm not a talker but I can text or I don't want to talk on the phone let's meet up so figuring out what that person needs and how to support them and don't ask them every five seconds how are you feeling are you okay that's the most annoying thing you can do but be in support and just saying or if you notice something with the friends say hey you know what I've noticed you've been sad lately that's not like you what's going on right right and I think there's a big stigma in the black community where you know I have my own problems you have your problems like I can't really be focused on what you got going on because I got Mm. so much going on you know and it is really hard for black people to be supportive when Mm -hmm. you about to get evicted and you got trouble with your baby daddy or you know you don't have the money to pay a bill or you know so I think um we still been disenfranchised as a race but we still have to lift each other up and support each other and sometimes just to take 10 minutes to see how a friend is doing or or an hour or two to talk to them on the phone or whatever sometimes that's worth just um to step out of your own problems to help somebody else Mm -hmm. yeah that's a really good point um my question for you what are some ways that we can practice self-care to even avoid um you know some of the mental health issues that come on from either stress or overload or even like grief what do you think some things that we can do to take care of ourselves would be self-care is like maintenance of a car right if you get your you keep your maintenance intact then your car is gonna last you a lot longer right if you don't get your oil changes if you don't rotate your tires on your car it's not gonna last you very long self-care has to come with that same approach um I love the sheet. You can get this sheet off of Facebook, off of Google, Pinterest. It's called 50 Ways to Take a Break. And it's 50 things that you can do to incorporate self-care. And some of those things are coloring with crayons, listening to music, making music, sitting under a tree, having a meal in silence, going on a coffee break, buy yourself some flowers. I'm really big on now being home. I'm always having flowers in my house because it's just something about having something that is full of life and vibrant and color. You have to do self-care on a regular basis. You cannot do self-care when you're already in crisis mode. That's why I'm saying I'm on the boat and 
and I'm not going to throw on my life vest until this mug is sinking. No, you need to already have your life vest on. Right. So you have to you have to constantly do self-care. And self-care does not have to be something that, you know, costs money. Like, for me, you know, you can. Like, self-care is for me is getting massages, getting my pedicures. Yes. But, you know, L.A. County has been on lockdown since March 16th, so the nail shops are still not open, and it is now June. So with that being said, you know, self-care is taking a bath you know self-care is meditating self-care is eating healthy self-care is eating three meals a day and drinking water that is considered self-care that is you know we work hard but it's like oh i'm gonna take a break later i'm gonna eat lunch at check up look up and it's 3 p.m self-care is doing what you have to do to make sure that you stay okay period yes yes i would definitely agree Mm -hmm. well gailia thank you so much for this wonderful beautiful insight that you have blessed us with today it has been a very, very informative conversation. Now, you've awakened me to a lot of things on this chat today. For real. Yes, it's such an honor and a pleasure to be here. And I hope to join you ladies back soon. Well, tell the people how they can reach you. So I can be reached um, on Instagram, Ganglia, my first name, G-A-Y-L-E-A-H, or on Facebook as Gigi Richmond. Yes, thank you, honey. Well, listen, popping after 30, we about more than just the ratchetness. You know, sometimes we got to have a serious conversation. And along with everything that we've been talking about, mental health is definitely one of the most important things out there. So make sure y'all take care of yourself. Yes, ma'am. Make sure y'all go follow us at Poppin' After 30. How else can they reach us live? You can go to the website. This episode will be posted on the website, www.poppinafter30.com. Let's get it. We out. Bye.